0: What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the HoopsHype podcast. Following All-Star Weekend, our HoopsHype salary cap expert and my co-host, Yossi Goslin joins me in studio to discuss the futures of LeBron James and Zion Williamson. We'll get a little bit into the upcoming free agency rankings and the market for 2022. And we'll touch a little bit on Goran Dragic, who has signed now with the Brooklyn Nets. I'll give you a little background on kind of how that all came about behind the scenes and more coming up on today's episode on the podcast. But, Yossi, I think first and foremost, we should definitely start out with LeBron James and his Lakers future, you know, coming off. especially
1: before the games continue.
0: Yeah, I mean, coming off the the All-Star Game uh, performance, the game-winning shot, you know, you see the, the way i'm looking at this you know the, the noise around lebron and oh maybe he could go back to cleveland there there have been like little whispers about it you know as a passing thought but then with lebron and in cleveland um and, and him being so nostalgic about uh, talking about cleveland when he went back home for the all star game talked about how his family his friends uh, we're all there when it was the first time in a while. And he wanted to make that last shot like Michael Jordan. You know, when they said uh, from Akron, Ohio, the kid from Akron, Ohio, how he was so um, he felt that it was pretty cool when that happened and, and the ovation he got from the fans. They certainly have, have heard now the the buzz about it. And he talked about the Akron recreational bureau when, when he was playing before he was a big name and how those people knew um, who he was. Um, There's a lot of dominoes that would need to fall for that to happen. But um, it, it just seems like that noise is around him almost like the way when he went to LA, you know, you heard about it like a year before and looking ahead in the summer of 2023 Cleveland has Kevin Love coming off the books Karis LeVert could be a free agent, too, if Cleveland doesn't work out an extension with him. And then clutch sports client Darius Garland will be eligible for restricted free agency. Then Um, to me, Cleveland's run could really go a long way uh, for the Cavs and LeBron to determine if they want another reunion down the line, depending on how they do. We've seen this season the Russell Westbrook fit. Has been like a square peg in a round hole. Uh, All due respect. uh, You know, Anthony Davis, he hasn't been healthy. Um, He's continued to have knick-knack injuries over his career. And the overall trajectory for the Lakers has been pointing downward since they won the title. You know, after they won the bubble title, they lost in the first round the next season. And now they're in the play-in tournament conversation. And, you know, Russell Westbrook is pretty much expected to exercise as player option for next season as well. So uh, pretty much they made their bed and they've got to sleep in it right now in L.A. All
1: right. So with the LeBron stuff, you know, we'll just go over what happened this weekend and why all this got started. Uh, As you know, like you mentioned, he was flirting with the idea of returning to Cleveland down the line he made some comments praising Sam Presti to the media, which a lot of people saw as uh, jabs at Rob Palenka. And he also talked about how it's important to him that he ends up playing at least one season with his son that he, he sticks around in the league long enough and that his, this final season he'll, he'll end up playing with his son, wherever them, that may be. Uh, and, along with that there was also the reports that he was upset that the Lakers didn't make any trade that they they were inactive during the trade deadline and also when Rob Pelinka made a comment saying that he and LeBron and Anthony Davis were aligned on the inactivity and then it came out that no there was no such alignment that uh, no one that LeBron didn't sign off on uh on not making any move so Look, we've seen, I think a lot of what's going on, we've seen this type of story before. We saw this in his last year in Cleveland where he he just, and then Brian Windhorst said in his article best, he was a little less engaged uh, right before the trade deadline, and the Cavs went ahead and traded, I don't know, roughly half the roster, maybe more than that, to just put a, just to, to, you know, just make the roster a little better and, then he played some of the best basketball of his life and the Cavs went right back to the finals again. So I a lot of you know a lot of people will look at this and think, well, it looks like the end is he might be wanting to leave this offseason. Um look, it might be possible, but if you ask me, I think most likely uh this is just LeBron putting pressure on the Lakers to do whatever. They can to put the best possible team around him, and I think they'll do that. Um, And we all know what the moves are. They have two first-round picks left that they can trade in the offseason, the 2027 and 2029 first-round picks. Um, the, The move everybody seems to have penciled in in their heads is trading one or two of those picks with Westbrook and trying to get the best players they can possibly get, or at least better fits for next season. Uh, There was, uh, there was the, all the talk that the Lakers uh, didn't want to do a first round pick with Westbrook for John Wall. I don't necessarily believe that was like, I'm sure they could have gotten that trade done for less, but even then not really helping the Lakers. If you maybe a little bit by swapping Westbrook for wall, just for the better fit, but I think if you're going to try to build the best possible get like you want to you got to swing for higher if you're trading a pick like that. I've said many times on this podcast I value picks that far out, doesn't matter what the team is. You don't know where that team's going to be 5 years from now. Like if you can get those picks somehow, you should and so I think there's going to be a lot of interested teams out there. And so we'll see what the Lakers can get, but like but look, here's the thing. Like, we all know that the Lakers are in this the star business. They, uh, since since Jim, uh, God, Jerry Buss, they've always been about getting the stars and treating them uh, the best they can, doing everything they can for them. And if there's any, if they're, if, you know, by not, trading by not maximizing the roster for next season in a way that could be seen as, Hey, they're not really going all in for their stars. It'd kind of go against what they've done all, uh, their, uh, that what their history suggests. Like I remember in 2014, they gave Kobe that two year, $50 million contract. And a lot of people looked at that as somewhat of a parting gift for everything he's done for the organization. So my feeling is They want to keep LeBron happy. The the partnership with LeBron James has been great. He brought them their first title in 10 years. And I think the last thing they'd want is to upset him or end this, have an early divorce, so to speak. And even if they don't think it's a good move to just – cuz like if they're trading picks, both these picks for uh for win now players, like all you know all we know for sure is that it's for next season. After that, LeBron could still leave. His contract will be up if he doesn't extend or resign with them. So we all so it's really just for one year guaranteed at least of of him and being engaged and bought in. But if anything less than that could potential it could be i could see maybe they interpret it as being a bad move in the long run for their future pursuit of stars they got like if they are going to do anything less and potentially upset him and have him leave early maybe some stars down the line they're interested in see that and be like i don't know maybe uh i don't know if this is i don't know if they're going to seeing how that ended for lebron james the greatest of all time i don't i don't know if uh, I-
0: well the other the other flip side of that is I mean, you know, for LeBron, LeBron could always turn around behind the scenes. And, you know, if he wants out or wants to trade, he could request one, you know. Yeah. They could certainly move Anthony Davis if they had to do like kind of a rebuild. A lot of those guys are older vets anyway. And their their salary cap books are pretty clean um, after next summer uh, when LeBron would become unrestricted. But – um, you know, I will say this. I got to, I want to address something too with the Sam Presty thing that, that you, uh, reminded me of. So, um, you know, they're, well, I'll call them like, you know, NBA Twitter conspiracy theorists who were like, yeah, man, you know, LeBron talking about Sam Presty. He wants them to get Sam Presty as the executive. Right. And you get, there's other people who are like, well, actually, I think it's him signaling to, Sam Presti that, like, he would, you know, want to look at maybe, like, OKC and them drafting Bronny James with one of their picks. Wild stuff. Like, I have another le- conspiracy. Le- like, LeBron has... Own- First of all, LeBron Can played in Cleveland. LeBron played in Cleveland. He was from there, okay? Got drafted there, wanted to stay there, win the title. Um, The other two places he's left, pretty nice places to play and live. Miami and Los Angeles. Oklahoma City, I don't see that uh really moving the needle for LeBron. I think uh, what I will say is I think LeBron, by saying that in his last years or whatever, he wants to play with his son. I think it did two things. One, I think it gave Bronny James a much better chance of getting drafted into an NBA team, whether it's on, you know, with whatever pick, whatever kind of deal. We've seen in the past guys like Chris Smith got a deal with the Knicks when J.R. Smith signed. Uh, leangelo Ball went to the G League in Charlotte with Lamelo Ball. Um, I, there was one other one. Oh, Thanasis Antetokounmpo's in Milwaukee with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, you can't tell me that certain family ties don't have that pull. And then it's like, I don't know. It's just like if a you would think a team that would be a contender would then try to draft Bronny James so then they can have a chance to get LeBron as opposed to a rebuilding team. So it, just fascinating stuff. But I never got I, – I understand like on paper, yeah, Oklahoma City could have a nice young core down the line by the time LeBron is older and Bronny's eligible for the draft. But come on now. Like some of that stuff was wild. What I would – what I think – might calm down Laker nation. And, you know, you touched on it about LeBron maybe trying to leverage a little bit so that the Lakers make some more immediate moves. Um, LeBron is extension eligible, correct?
1: Yeah. Uh, Two for 97 mil.
0: So there you go. Now, if he wanted to trade then what what could that look like from a cap perspective if he he wanted to do an extension with his new team, if he, if he wanted to trade, let's just, let's just say.
1: It's essentially like the same thing, like about two for 95. So he doesn't really lose money, but I also don't really, even if, even if uh, once he becomes extension eligible, if he wants to take it, I wouldn't think he maybe doesn't take it immediately uh, just because he has all season to sign him with the Lakers. And also, you know, maybe he wants to just kind of keep his options open, up, keep applying the pressure uh, on the Lakers throughout the season. But yeah, if at the same time, be, he could basically still get the same amount of money immediately through an extended trade. Um, so he doesn't really stand to lose money in that scenario either.
0: Pays to be the king. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so the, there's the extension thing and, um, so yeah, I mean, just, just knowing like, I just, well, I'll just finish what I was saying earlier. Just if I had to guess, I think they'll ultimately do, you know, just do whatever moves need to be made to keep LeBron engaged, go, go, uh, go in one more last season. And then just after that see what happens, and uh, like if, if you ask me, I, I think there's a fair argument that if they can, if they can keep the picks and p- potentially even pivot towards a rebuild and just try to accumulate picks for LeBron and Anthony Davis now, there's definitely a fair argument for that, uh, but my feeling is they'll just keep it, keep it going with LeBron. It's been a great experience so far, and I think they want to keep it going.
0: I, you know, I want, I really wonder behind the scenes, like, yeah, they won that title in the bubble, but, and they, they lost in the first round. They didn't make the playoffs his first year there. He, LeBron was hurt. Um, I think overall, like, yeah, when you win a championship, it definitely moves the needle, but I wonder if like, it's been everything that both sides have wanted. Um, but you know, speaking of kind of reviewing star players in their current situations and looking towards the future you know Zion Williamson and his future with the New Orleans Pelicans has become uh more of a, a topic of discussion yet again. Um you know I got to tell you like you know see I'm looking at Zion Williamson in New Orleans and it just seems like we're creeping up on another Chris Stapp's Porzingis 2.0 situation like when he was on the Knicks. So Zion uh Zion is extension eligible this summer.
1: Yeah, he'll be uh, extension eligible. The um, you can get five for one seventy five, and if he were, you know, they could also put the uh, criteria in there where he gets a little more if he gets all NBA uh, next season about two ten over five.
0: So now, you know, with that in mind, like you know, in years past. Several CAA clients have signed lucrative extensions, but sometimes they've had a shorter max extension um, and not the full length of a contract to give uh, themselves more options earlier on. Um, You know, to me, if Zion Williamson really wanted to leave... He'd have to threaten to sign a one year qualifying offer like Chris Stapsworzingis did with the Knicks a few years ago to really try to leverage any type of power he would have to have a change of scenery. Now, the major caveat to that is Zion Williamson has only played 85 combined games through what is now his, should be, even though he hasn't played yet, his third season, um, you know, his early career injury struggles are kind of reminiscent to Joel Embiid at the start of his career. A, a guy who who missed essentially two, whole, he missed two whole seasons before really uh, beginning his NBA career and, and then still having a, to monitor his knees and whatnot. You know, now for Zion, it, it certainly seems, the same way, whether it's the weight or if there's, you know, just knee injury concerns that you have to look at going forward. Um, you know, the stuff about uh, his former teammate, J.J. Redick, talking about him as a detached teammate and having a lack of investment in the team it took a while for C.J. McCollum to get a hold of him, but then he was able to. Um and then you've got the the media release for the 2023 ticket plans that go out and New Orleans is is promoting Willie Green the coach, Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valančiūnas and C.J. McCollum uh all, all due respect and uh, no offense but uh, you know Zion Williamson is the headliner there and for him not to be the focal point of a presentation like that from a marketing campaign certainly raises an eyebrow. Uh, You know, ironically in New Orleans, some would say maybe a unibrow for, you know, as an ode to Anthony Davis, but I digress. Uh, For me, this, I'm telling you, Yossi, like I could just absolutely either see this going the Chris Porzingis route where he tries to leverage the qualifying offer, but that would be extreme an extreme roll of the dice from Zion Williamson given his injury history. What I would think he and his representation would try to do at some point is to try to secure a max contract extension and then eventually try to get a trade down the line after you have secured the guaranteed money. As we have seen in this league with James Harden two times in Houston and in Brooklyn, and with Ben Simmons in Philadelphia, it doesn't matter how long your contract is. If you want out in the NBA, you can pout and you can do things behind the scenes and in press conferences and with your play, lackadaisical play at that, to get to a new destination. Zion, if he wanted to, could do that ultimately, but he's got to secure the bag. And for a guy that's been as injury riddled as, as he has been, I think that's got to be first and foremost for him and then look to make the move. If he went for the qualifying offer route, I think it's certainly a quicker leverage play to get where he wants, but it is extremely risky.
1: All right. So a lot of, of Zion stuff has come out today, this morning, and he touched on uh, the season ticket plan that didn't mention him in the re- in the media release. Uh, JJ Reddick's comments on him, his former teammate, which seemed like a pretty like coming from Reddick, a former teammate. That's you really gotta listen to that. And also, also, CJ- also
0: a fellow CAA client, by the way, which I think is noteworthy. And also. Ironically, someone who has given what happened to him last year a personal grudge against David Griffin, who didn't buy him out and let him pick where he wanted to go, they traded him instead. Um, I think that that's also worth noting. And he still had something to say uh, criticizing Zion Williamson, which I thought was very interesting.
1: Yes, and the uh, when CJ McCollum went on TNT over the weekend and he said that uh, Zion hadn't uh, reached out to him. Now, now apparently they have gotten in touch, uh, but that was one of the key points that Reddick blasted Zion on. Like, you know, when you when it, when your team trades for a player, it's like a common decorum to to text the guy at the very least. So yeah, a lot, just a lot of a lot of different things combining of it. It seems like it's going to be, it could be a lot of noises soft season about Zion's future. And it's not, it's bare, It's almost like, it's not even a year ago when a report from the athletic came out that talked about how Zion was unhappy in new Orleans. Like we're, I don't, I don't think it's even been a year since that c- came out. And um, I, it seems like this could be a summer of Zion, so to speak. And now we talked about his extension eligibility uh, he can get a max extension now he can he can get traded this off season uh, and still sign that extension as long as uh it's all during the off season so he, he could yeah there is some leveraging he could try to do if he really wants to leave already you mentioned the the qualifying offer like Porzingis did look um I, it just, it seems like now after James Harden last year, he was able to successfully get a trade with three years left on his deal. And now Ben Simmons with four years left on his deal in this year's trade, seems like players are now realizing what they can do to, you know, what's possible as far as getting out of their contracts that early. And there's been there now there's going to be, there's some noise. There's been noise about Zion Uh, there's going to be noise on some other players this offseason that have a lot of years left on their deal. And I got to ask you, Mike, like this is definitely seems to be pushing the boundaries of so-called player empowerment. And I got to wonder how this is going to impact CBA negotiations. And cause this is, I, I just have a hard time seeing the league just continuing to let this happen. Like, uh, yeah, it's still gonna. It's always gonna be a part of the business. Players are gonna want to uh, be unhappy, go where they want to go. Like it's understandable, but over the past decade, it's usually just been a player with a year, maybe two years left on his deal, get out a little early. Okay, like that's understandable. But for you were mentioning how Zion could sign, uh, sign his extension now, lock up his money, and then deal with it, uh, deal with his destination after. It feels like there could be like, that's not, it's not even Zion. There could be more other players doing that starting this off season or the next one. So I got to ask you, like, do you, or do you, do you think that there's going to be some pushback eventually? Cause the, when the leak, what the league have tried doing in previous negotiations is just adding more incentives financially for the players to stay and they're getting these incentives, but then they're wanting to move anyways later. So uh, what do you think of all this?
0: Well, I mean, look, they've tried to do Supermax extensions. And, you know, I think back to, you know, when DeMarcus Cousins was in Sacramento and they, they didn't want to go that far. And when Kemba Walker was in Charlotte and they didn't want to go that far. And then um the guys end up leaving anyway. I think ultimately player empowerment is at an all-time high. I think the league certainly knows that. Like Adam Silver and the league are not oblivious to the fact that uh, you know, James Harden and Ben Simmons have have tried to move on from different teams, but ultimately they want the players in the teams to both be happy. And, um, you know, I think for, uh, you know, Adam Silver in the league, they've also made note that, you know, in the past other star players before social media had wanted trades and and wanted out. Um, I just think now it certainly it, there's more of that in the public light. Uh, could there be something in the new CBA talks? Yeah, but ultimately, I don't know you know what that's uh gonna yeah. be and,
1: no, I- and it, it's easier said than actually done. Like I really do not see like I think about a lot of different types of solutions, and in the end, I just don't think there's gonna be uh, I mean, you know, maybe there will be, but like I just don't see any common ground where both the player and the teams, uh, are willing to, uh, relinquish their ability to get off their obligation. Um, with one another. I'm the also,
0: answer, I'm yeah. also curious, you know, cause you mentioned about like the CBA negotiations, if, you know, the media voting for player awards and, and, you know, potential, uh, contract bonuses and things of that nature for players ultimately, um, if that changes. And I, and I will say this, um, you know, recently at the NBA all-star weekend, Adam Silver talked about, uh, he touched on locker room access a little bit for reporters and whatnot. I will just say, and I, I think I speak for many others that hopefully that that access goes back to what it was because the relationships built there with players, um, coaches, assistant coaches, staff members, executives. Um, a lot of times it's those casual conversations in the locker room, um, that go a long way, you know, and, and, and building that trust with the player. And you get different sides to stories when you have that accessibility to players uh gives players another outlet to share their side of things aside from just management and, and other people who, you know, speak to people for stories and whatnot. I think uh, it cannot be understated how critical that is to coverage for the fans that want to read about their own team. And also even the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, you know, whether there's like a locker room uh, disagreement between players or if there's... Um, just the overall mood in the locker room after a win or a loss, those behind the scenes tidbits that are shared in stories. I, I think that has been missing in this COVID pandemic. And with the numbers going down, my hope uh, is that that uh, will go back to normal as, as we have been on that path um, across the country with the numbers going down and vaccination rates going up. Uh, so my hope is that uh we, as journalists, will get that uh access again to deliver those type of stories for the the fans and the readers and get you know more interviews uh as well for you know again for the fans that wanna read this stuff,
1: yeah, agreed I have not much else I could add to that
0: and you know I know we you, you were talking about how things could heat up with Zion this summer um while Zion's future is unclear you know we recently put out the hoops hype 2022 free agent rankings some i agree with some i i was a little shocked uh you know we all we all vote on this as a group it is not one person i can't say that i agree with all of it i some guys were higher some guys were lower but in the end it is the collective list i want to put that out there um what is funny about those lists and anytime a guy is not, I don't know, in the top few, you'll always get a call from an agent. Oh, my agent saying, Oh, my guy is too low. Oh, da, da, da. You know, you're crazy. You're crazy. Da, da, da. I, I always, you know, I enjoy all those phone calls. Um, I get a laugh out of them, but you'll know, see when we do look at the free agent rankings, looking ahead, you know, our top couple of guys, you got Zach Levine, you got James Harden, uh, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving are the top four. Most around the NBA believe Zach Levine and James Harden will stay put where they are in Chicago and in Philadelphia. I personally expect Bradley Beal to take the the money from Washington. Uh, the way he gave that joint kind of press release uh, when he opted to get some surgery with, with Washington, kind of leaned that way. And regarding Kyrie Irving, that, you know, that's popped up if he decided to opt out, uh, you know, I had previously polled executives about his trade value and it wasn't good since a lot of teams were scared of him. I would imagine the same would go towards trying to sign him if he became a free agent, but um, you know, we'll see what happens there. Obviously Kyrie has Enjoyed being a Brooklyn net it's his hometown team I don't get the sense that he wants to go anywhere else um and then it really kind of then leaves you uh to the next tier but uh, you know I'm curious your thoughts on those those top four
1: on the top three you listed uh, that's the top three we have which includes uh, Harden Levine Bradley Beal I I would agree right now just based on where things are standing i would agree that they're they're more likely to uh, resign this off season uh Kyrie's situation is i think will be very interesting because it just seems like you know it's a pretty big deal that he hasn't played for half the games this year and you know if i, I we still are still unclear what if the rules are going to change if the laws are going to change so he could play next year i I kind of just again just a feeling i, I kind of feel like it sh- eventually it will change and he'll be able to play i don't know if that'll be next season but still like that happened and uh also last season happened where he would just take random uh time off during the season and if you if I think that's just something that's kind of been glossed over. No one's really, I don't think anyone's really discussed how that Kyrie Irving has a player option for this off season and he could opt out. And we went from discussing him as uh, like him and Harden as guys that would take their max extensions along with Durant and didn't. And now I, you got to think like, what are the Nets really thinking about this? Do they want to commit a new contract for him? He can get a, a very big max deal if he opts out or, or he or they could extend them if he opts in um and then the thing if they decide to move on like well, who did you you've mentioned before you've pulled people around the league that uh there's not there probably doesn't he probably doesn't have them a trade value given everything that went on so just you know just something that i think we've all just kind of like ignored and but now it's coming to a head like he's act, like he's got a player option to decide on and with whether he becomes a free agent or goes into next season with just one year on his deal, I I feel like there's gonna, like that might start to heat up one way or another, just whether he's gonna stick around long-term or uh, or God knows what, I think that's gonna, I guess we gotta really see what's gonna happen there.
0: I think ultimately, as long as he and Kevin Durant wanna stay together, Kyrie's gonna remain with the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, he's, he's an elite talent and, and a lot of things are obviously running through Kevin Durant. You know, you'll know, see the one thing I think that gets kind of overlooked is the fact that Kevin Durant ultimately extended with the Brooklyn Nets at the end of the day. That was the biggest extension that no one talks enough about, in my opinion. Um, Kevin Durant, ex- regardless at the time, whether he thought Harden and I Kyrie were going to extend or not, he is extended, which is always point a, um, in the rest of this free agent class, the next tier of guys, you have, uh, Deandre Ayton coming in at number five. Overall, Mikhail Bridges at number six, excuse me, excuse me. Miles Bridges coming in number six overall, uh, and number eight, no, number seven, Jalen Brunson. Um, so when I'm looking at those, that next tier, DeAndre Eaton may have to get an offer sheet from another team like Detroit or San Antonio. Um, we've seen in the past how Phoenix was hesitant to give him a max contract extension. I think this playoff run is going to go a long way to determining whether they put that on the table or not uh, for him in the offseason. Certainly there were some tensions there behind the scenes that DeAndre Eaton didn't get that after uh, last season and during this offseason. So I I think, you know, push come to shove, he may have to go get that money elsewhere, at least like a full max, because I don't know if Phoenix is just going to put that on the table. Given what we've seen before, I'd be hesitant to say so. When it comes to the Charlotte Hornets and Miles Bridges – Charlotte wasn't trying to extend him before the season when it was around the $20 million annual range. Now he's going to command more than that on the market. Most people think around the league. Um, his play has certainly improved from last season. Uh, so that'll be worth monitoring there. Um, at, at least from my perspective.
1: So, yeah, with the for both guys, if they both wanted to pursue max offer sheets, it's about right now it's projected at 130 mil over four. Uh, now, I will say this like offer sheets have definitely become a lot less common over the past few years, and a lot of restricted free agency has been settled through sign in trades If if movement needs to happen. The last offer sheet we got. Uh, was uh Bogdan Bogdanovich to Atlanta in, in 2020. So, even though they've shortened the time on offer sheets from seven to three days about 10 years ago, I want to say, um, I think a lot of teams of there might be looking at offer sheets as kind of a waste of time if they get and now, especially now because you, you know, information flows so strongly compared to back then like you you should know if your offer sheet's going to get matched or not like i'd imagine so um it'll be interesting to see like i i i, I think there's a, maybe there's a pretty good chance uh both these players get somewhat of a big offer sheet just if they get an idea that it won't be matched um but uh you know keep in mind not a lot of cap space this off season and. Uh, If I have to guess, I I think I feel like there's a good chance both these players come back on something that uh, makes sense for both teams.
0: Well, what's going to be interesting is Jalen Brunson's free agency, Um, because a lot of people going into the trade deadline thought that Dallas was going to have a tough time keeping both Jalen Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith with the looming luxury tax concerns. Dorian Finney-Smith has extended his contract in Dallas. Now Jalen Brunson is the top point guard who could potentially change teams this off season on uh, our last Hoopside podcast episode. I touched on how there's a lot of smoke, whether the Knicks have true interest in Brunson or if that those rumors out there are based on the CAA relationship and ties he has with Leon Rose, who represented his father, Rick Brunson. Um, the Knicks could use a point guard upgrade. Well, you know, let's be clear. Um and, and and you know, Brunson's still young enough where he fits with that core if they chose to go that route um with the young guys that they have. They're going to Dallas is going to have to decide if they can match his market value with the luxury tax looming and maybe trade Spencer Dinwiddie or do a signing trade for Brunson if he breaks the bank, which I, I could see as a As a potential uh, scenario there for sure, depending on, you know, if he gets close to that $20 million range, you got to consider it given the luxury tax concerns.
1: I think the sign and trade possibility was already a very strong possibility. Uh, And even before the, even before the Mavericks got Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, like you mentioned the Knicks, for example, right now, they're not in a position to have cap space, but, they could comfortably sign a trade for Jalen Brunson. And uh, at some point, if you're Dallas, like forget about the luxury tax stuff. I know Mark Cuban said in an interview that he would, he's willing to pay the tax, but uh, are you willing to pay Jalen Brunson something that maybe the team could perceive as a negative value going forward? Just, just because if he gets a certain number and they they decide to match it but they have a uh but maybe they it might not be they have an idea that it might not be tradable down the line then that's where the that's where you might have a problem and so if that i think my feeling's like they'll see what they'll figure out what, a num- what number they're comfortable bringing him back in and if his market exceeds that then i could see a sign and trade being very possible
0: after Jalen Brunson on the list, we've got Anthony Simons, who's a restricted free agency for the Portland Trail Blazers. Uh, Most people around the league think that Anthony Simons will be retained by the Blazers. uh, And ultimately, it would just be what his price range could be. Um, And after that, you've got Colin Sexton, who... I think you can make a case that he's a wild card and could get a prove it type of deal, maybe a shorter term deal than he originally thought. You got to remember when they were in, uh, when they were in, excuse me, when they were in extension talks uh, with Cleveland. You know, they were talking. You know, depending on what side you, you know care to hear their perspective, you know, they were talking big money. You know, they're talking like 20-ish million more on one side wanted. And it's like, well, ultimately that didn't get done. Now he got hurt, unfortunately. I think he's gonna be the biggest wild card uh, this summer when it comes to free agency. You know, we touched on it here, um, how Cleveland does want to retain him they want to keep him so uh they can do that and fit it under the luxury tax if they get it under 21 million dollars or so uh so time will tell on that
1: anthony simons and colin sexton seem like two guys that may have had their free agent stocks kind of switched given everything that happened uh this season like anthony simons he really boosted his stock big time i um, he wasn't a guy i remember when the uh, rookie extensions were happening i did not expect him to get a uh, an extension and i really was unsure what his future was going to look like and now i don't even know what kind of deal he's going to get like i like i i'm i feel like i was i was thinking you know he probably get like mid level at the beginning of the season and then i was thinking maybe like now I think he's he's definitely shot way above that based on his play this season. Uh, Sexton, I mean, I could still see him getting a, a long-term deal. Uh, he's the type of guy that I can see getting an offer sheet that uh, I think a team could just throw him something that they have a good uh, a bet, like they, they have a good bet that Cleveland won't match just based on their roster construction. Now that they have Karis LeBert and Darius Garland's uh, going to be owed some money. Uh, he's going to be extension eligible this off season. Um, I could I could see someone trying to give him a pretty big offer sheet this off season.
0: Yeah, and then also looking ahead, a couple other guys that stick out to me a little bit on the rankings. You've got uh, Bobby Portis, who passed on some money previously to stay with the Milwaukee Bucks. Kind of surprised some people around the league when he did it, but. Uh, could be on a path where he could maybe make some of that back now. And you got Montrez Harrell uh, with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, you know, they obviously had their concerns about paying Miles Bridges. Well, now you're going to have to pay Montrez Harold too, if you want to keep him. Uh, and then, to me, I think the guy that's really boosted his value as much as anyone, not named Anthony Simons, is Malik Monk on the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, you can make a case too for like Jalen Brunson as well, but given where Malik Monk was this past offseason and signing with the Lakers to the way that this guy has played for the value of his contract, I, I think he certainly boosted his stock for sure going into free agency now.
1: Yeah. So with Montrezl Harrell, I, I get a pretty good feeling he'll probably be back with the Hornets. Um, I think I remember seeing reports from last year that they've been they were pursuing him in the 2020 offseason and now they finally got him. Uh there's a way they'll be able to fit him and the new contract for Bridges, you know, let's say Bridges gets something in like the 20 to 25 million a year range. They could still bring back Trez at around what he's making but It'd probably be between him and the full mid-level, so w- without avoiding the tax. They already have almost a full roster, so there's definitely a fit for the two of them. Um, and then, so you talk about Bobby Portis and Malik Monk, two players that have some interesting similarities with their free agency. The theme, uh, mainly is that, so Bobby Portis, uh, I, I think it seems like he took a discount to stay with the Bucks in the past off-season. And I part of it was probably with the possibility in mind that he could earn more in this coming off season uh, once he gains uh, early bird rights, which is which would basically allow him to resign with the Bucks for like a little more than the full mid level. And now his numbers are up this year, but that's mainly because of his increased role with Brook Lopez out. His per thirty six numbers are still the same, but so. You know, not I, I'm not sure if there's like really like a real any real improvement or anything like that. But he's been important uh, in their success, keeping the bucks afloat uh, and another deep playoff run should definitely help his market. But uh, I do think there he did take a risk last offseason by by if if there were bigger offers, maybe for the full mid level. Still took a risk technically, and it's it's possible maybe he left some money on the table. And, and that's where I would relate this to Malik Monk. Uh, he, there was a recent interview with him about his time with the Lakers, and he loves it there. And I, I just, based on his, if you just look at him play with the way he plays there and his numbers he's been putting up, uh, it's been an excellent experience for him there. And I would imagine he would like to stay there if possible. Uh, they're limited. Lakers will be limited to offering him the t- tax mid level this off season, and then if, and if he accepts that, uh, maybe they do a one plus one. Then they could re-sign him with early bird rights next off season, kind of like what might happen potentially with Bobby Portis. But again, uh, uh, it's still technically a risk. And just based on the way Monk is playing, I think he'll probably get an offer for the full mid level. Uh, about four for 44 mil. And a lot of teams have that to offer. Not a lot of cap space out there. A lot of full mid-level out there. And if he gets offered that, uh, I think he's going to strongly consider it.
0: Time will tell on Malik's future there for the Lakers. He's certainly been good for them. But one guard who switched teams now uh, that could also have a big impact down the stretch run Goran Dragic goes to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, that decision came down to his personal relationship with Steve Nash, who mentored him in Phoenix. Um, I'm told the opportunity to play with such elite talent and Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons appealed to Goran Dragic, and um, he's viewed as the pure point guard that they need. Um, Steve Nash met with Goran Dragic in Miami on Saturday. Sean Marks was there as well. Um, I'm told Nash outlined his plan for Dragic and how he'll fit in with the team during that meeting. Um, that said, there was no specific promise in terms of playing time, but there was an understanding there between the two men, um, that Dragic will be an important piece of that team. Goran Dragic also met with the Bucks including general manager John Horst, uh owner Mark Lazary and head coach Mike Budenholzer. The Clippers also flew to Miami to meet with Dragic in person over the weekend. Uh simply put, I was told by a source close to Steve uh I was told by a source close to Goran Dragic. If it wasn't for Steve Nash, Goran Dragic would be either with the Milwaukee Bucks or the Los Angeles Clippers. Steve Nash's impact on his decision couldn't be overstated. Um, For the Nets, this is a huge win to land the top buyout player on the market and block Milwaukee from getting him, who's going to be competing with them for the Eastern Conference title and eventually, you know, potentially an NBA championship. As we talked about on the last podcast episode, there was a chance Dennis Schroeder stayed in Houston, To give himself the best chance going into free agency to make money, and now Mark Stein is reporting that. Um, You know. Lastly, Yossi. You know, Sean Marks uh, was recently asked about expectations. He he did a little. uh, It was this thing called remarks. Ironically, uh, what a funny name for uh, with Yes Network, and he he sat down with uh, in front of some Nets fans and. He was asked about their expectation when the team is fully healthy, and Sean Mark said, championship, that's it. I would be doing 17 players and another 60 staff members a massive disservice if I said anything other than that, because that's uh, what we're all here for. Well, now Goran Dragic is in the fold, and we will see if Kyrie Irving can come back for the rest of the season to play home games at some point, if New York changes the mandate, as other states have as well. But uh, no question, Brooklyn is all in. Uh, they've revamped that team post-James Harden, and they're still going for it. Uh, only other update I wanted to share uh, regarding Brooklyn uh, is that Joe Harris, uh, there's nothing new yet on Joe Harris. Uh, I'm told by a source that they're going to see how things are going with Joe this week. Uh, in terms of whether he needs a possible second surgery or not. Um, Obviously, Joe Harris is critical to that team. Uh, We will have to see how things go this week, as one source told me. So uh, keep an eye on that, folks. I guess the
1: biggest uh, addition about uh, bringing in Goran Dragic is if if the uh, vaccine mandate doesn't change or Kyrie doesn't get vaccinated, that – he that Goran Dragic is just another solid point guard to have in the games. Kyrie might not be available. So that's a major, uh, that's a, that's a major, you know, in- piece of insurance to have in that scenario. And one other thing I, 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 I realize about the net uh, with the way they've been going about the buyout market, they're, they really seems like they're pre- prioritizing protecting their vets. Uh, and I think. In a way kind of it could be sending a message that two to, to uh, potential veterans that are interested in coming that they take care of them they wave deandre Bembry to make a uh, room for the uh for the uneven three for two james Harden ben simmons trade and then they go ahead and wave javon carter when you know they, they've got a a glut of big men and I thought maybe they could, they can waive one of them like uh, maybe Blake Griffin or James Johnson, but uh, no, they're both still there. And they just, I think it's a very interesting strategy they're doing. And I get it because they've been the Kings of the buyout market last season. They got in Marcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin. Now they got the, the consensus best player in this year's buyout market and Goran Dragic. So, um, you know, fit issues aside or like, you know, the thing where uh, they could distribute their depth in some other uh, places on the roster, uh, You know, so far everything they've they've done, it's it just end of bench stuff. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not a big deal, but just an interesting trend I noticed that, uh, and I think it'll just, it's one of the reasons they're gonna continue uh, landing the really good vets uh, either veteran minimum or just during the buyout market
0: well said yossi and uh, appreciate a lot of the other points you brought up on the uh, pod with me with lebron zion and uh some of their uh potential cap things to look forward to appreciate you as always brother anytime mike's a pleasure also want to thank everybody for tuning in as well. And if you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi, too, at Yossi Goslin. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.